Well, today we continue uh, this series in the book of Nehemiah, which we started last week. It's really a series where we're, we're allowing God's word to help us to see what we are about as a church family in 2009. And we started that last week. Where it's the sort of time of year where I guess as individuals and maybe even as just our own families, that that's the sort of thing we're starting to do. We're, we're thinking about the year ahead. We're, we're making plans. Uh, we're setting agendas for the year. But what of us as a church family, what are we about in 2009? Well, last week we saw that we are about building. Uh, that's what we're doing as a church family. We are continuing the building project that began on this hill some 170 years ago when a church parish began to meet here on this hill. And what we saw is that uh, when we say we're building, we're not just building up to some sort of event or, or building a group, a, a meeting or building up to some sort of course. We're building a city on this hill. The city that, that Ed spoke of earlier from Matthew chapter 5 when Jesus, speaking of his people, people like us, he said, you are the light of the world. You are the city on a hill. And so it is that city on this hill that we are building in 2009, building a small city within the large city that is Sheffield, a city on this hill where God will dwell with his people, a city where he is at the heart of absolutely everything we do together, where he is worshipped, where we delight in his goodness, where his word is honoured and where his people together live radically different lives that show how good our God is that show how good it is to live life in obedience to his word. And so that's what 2009 is about for us, building that city on this hill so that at a big city of Sheffield, a city of many hills, will be transformed one life at a time as our city meets the Lord Jesus Christ. And Nehemiah is the book that I think is going to give us the clarity we need to, to be able to see that project clearly, to see what we are about as a church family as this year begins. Last week uh, when we started this series we, we saw that where the project has to start we saw it begins with a broken heart and a bended knee. Our heart needs to be broken for the city of Sheffield to see that our city just like Jerusalem for Nehemiah is a city in exile from God. A city that has turned away from God and is feeling the effects of that exile, that judgement. You may remember from chapter 1, if you were here last week, the, the, the effects of that, the marks of a city in exile are a city marked by trouble and disgrace and insecurity and that is our city. If we are seeing Sheffield clearly, we see that we live in a great city, great in size, in, in population, in industry, in culture, in all of those things, but also great in trouble and disgrace and helplessness. And in seeing that, we need just like Nehemiah, to know where to go for our city, to bring our city before God in prayer, to call upon him for his favour and his glory to fall on this city, calling upon him to grant success for this project of building a city on the hill, a city that we and all of Sheffield so desperately need. And so that's what we've seen thus far. And today we pick up Nehemiah's journal, his account of the building project in chapter 3. But as we pick it up in chapter 3, it's important to see what has just led up to this, what's happened in chapter 2. You see, Nehemiah hasn't just spent the last three or four months praying and mourning over his city. He has also been planning, asking God to make clear what he would have him do in Jerusalem. He then takes that plan, we're told in chapter 2, before the king and because of his God's favour, 
the king grants Nehemiah's request to go to Jerusalem and rebuild this city on a hill. And so in chapter 2 we see him go and we see him walk around his city, ride around his city, surveying the scene, seeing firsthand what he had heard from his brothers and his friends, the, the effects of the exile. And then we see him in verse 17 of chapter 2, call upon the people. He says in verse 17, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. And so come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God upon me and what the king had said. They replied, let us start rebuilding. And so they began this good work. And so really over the next two weeks, what I want us to see together is what that good work looks like. The work that Nehemiah and these others were about, the work that we are about here in 2009 So let's get stuck into chapter 3 and what we're going to see today is one of the key activities of building this city on the hill. We're going to see that this project takes a fellowship of builders, a fellowship of builders. That's what chapter 3 is going to show us. Now as Dan read out Nehemiah 3, I'm not sure about you but for me it's not an immediately exciting experience uh, to hear those verses read out. It's not like you're, you're getting to the end of the chapter and thinking, please I hope there's more names It reads a bit like uh, an excerpt from Jerusalem's phone book. It's easy to hear it and think, yeah, yeah, I get the picture. I got it by about verse 5. There's there's a lot of people and they're building a wall. So what? And yet God has seen fit to write all of this down, all this detail, because he knows this is no ordinary group, nor is it an ordinary project. This is actually the story of those who rebuilt the city on the hill in Jerusalem. A story of some 38 names and then countless others who are unnamed gathered into what looks like 42 working groups in the city spread throughout the seven regions of Jerusalem all united building this city together. It's a picture of what it actually takes to do that. Nehemiah hasn't gone into this big city of Jerusalem alone singing with a hammer nail and a piece of wood I'll build a small house. No, he knows this is a huge project and it's going to take a mighty team a fellowship, people working side by side. And so as you scan over Nehemiah 3, that is the magnificent picture before us to see what we are about here on this hill, to see what we are doing together. But it does much more for us than that. For it would be easy for us as we look ahead to 2009 and what we're about to stay on the big picture. But what Nehemiah 3 does for us is it shows us God zooming in and seeing the detail of that work. And when he does, what we see is this big picture of building a city on this hill is actually made up of countless smaller pictures. And I want us to draw out together some of the pictures that Nehemiah 3 shows us. I want you to see what what I've been looking at all week. As I started to look at this chapter this week, the more I read it, the more excited I got. As I walked around forward, as I met with church family about what we are in on together this year. And so let's zoom in and see the detail of what we are all a part of. Firstly, I think Nehemiah 3 shows us something of the nature of the work we are doing. It gives us a wonderful description of it. The nature of the work? Well, it's together. Have a look at verse 17. Next to him, the repairs were made by the Levites. Beside him, Hashabiah carried out repairs for his district. 
Next to him, the repairs were made by their countrymen. Next to him, Ezar repaired another section from the point facing the ascent to the armoury as far as the angle. Next to him, Barak zealously repaired another section from the angle to the entrance of the house of the high priest. Next to him, Merimuth repaired another section. The work is immense in scale, isn't it? And yet if you zoom in on the detail, what you see is incredible. Builder after builder after builder standing side by side, right next to each other, each about their own task, each doing something different and yet very much as one. I mean, is that not a great picture of what we are about as a church family on this hill? The tasks before each one of us are diverse and yet our work spread out over the huge area of forward and beyond zooms in and what we should see in our church family is a fellowship of builders, builders side by side in this project. I mean, think about what's happening this morning just over in the church centre. Think of all the builders who are side by side in all the different rooms building this city. And think about what's happening in the coming week for us as a church family. I'll give you an example. Take, for instance, small groups, of which there's about 50. Something, I guess, with responsibility for them, I'm thinking about the big picture a lot, but if you zoom into the details, the site is incredible and it reads a bit like Nehemiah 3. In forward, Jason Roper helped build the city. Next to him were Ian and Jetty Harris, side by side with David and Alice and Linsky. They in turn worked with Anthony and Cecilia Fisher who built next to Chris Kilgore who worked alongside Martin and Susan Beardsley who were building next to Di Jury. They in turn worked next to Jeff and Joan Wilkinson who worked near Graham and Sarah Collins side by side with Graham and Joanna Dunn. They in turn had John and Karen Pottinger next to them who worked beside Godfrey and Helen Smallman. And next to them were Andy and M.L. Towered. It is an incredible sight. And I haven't even scratched the surface of the small groups, which of course is just one small part of what we are doing as a church family. I haven't even mentioned the work being done with students where Mark Daniel works next to Helen Foley, who works side by side with Wendy Jakes, next to Duncan Bell beside Sally Hall, and on and on it goes. People building this city on a hill building on the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ, each work shaped by his word for his glory, utterly reliant on his favour. The detail is breathtaking. So many people doing so much side by side, a fellowship of builders. That's us, 2009, and the scale of it is awesome across the districts of Sheffield, Fullwood, Nethergreen, Lodgemore, Crooks, Stannington, Dronfield, Rotherham, you name it. You think Nehemiah reads like a phone book? Well, you should see ours. And you know what? The work done here on this side on Canterbury Avenue is just one small part of it. There's teams at work everywhere, households, one-to-ones in cafes, workplaces, universities, school gates. I mean, Jerusalem had its gates to repair and so do we, the the school gate, for example. I mean, I've never been to that part of the building project. My, My son Finn starts school this week, so I suspect I'll frequent it very soon, but... There are builders there at drop-off point and pick-up time. Builders bringing the news of Jesus to a city in trouble and disgrace and insecurity. News of forgiveness, news of no shame or condemnation, news of security not just for this life but for eternity. 
And so there's the first insight Nehemiah 3 gives us. It takes a fellowship of builders working side by side to build this city on a hill. But not only do we see something of the nature of the work, we also see who does the work. The picture Nehemiah 3 gives us is that everyone does it. Absolutely everyone. This is not a project for a few paid staff or perhaps the religious professionals. I mean, Nehemiah wasn't. He was a cupbearer. He was the guy who brought the king's wine. That was his job. He's not a priest, nor were most of the people who worked side by side with him. I mean, the priests are there. You see them in verse 1, but they're doing the same thing as everybody else. This is not a project for the chosen few, but the chosen many. In fact, it's for every single child of God. It is right at the heart of what it means to be a child of God because this is what our Father is doing in his world. And so if you're a Christian and you see this great project going on in, in your city and you're wondering if you're the right person to build, the answer is of course you are. It's what you were saved for. And know this, that God only gathers those he needs for the work. There is no excess, no passengers, just a fellowship of builders. And each time he gathers another through his son, through repentance and faith, it is because he has a task for them. And so Nehemiah shows us it takes all sorts. Have a look at verse 8. Nehemiah says, Uzziel, son of Hariah, one of the goldsmiths, repaired the next section. And Hananiah, one of the perfume makers, made repairs next to that. They restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. I love these verses. I mean, what does a perfume maker know about building walls and bolts and bars and doors? Probably not much. And yet there he is involved in it. God's building strategy has not changed. It takes all sorts. And there is no CV requirement, no previous experience necessary. He's got so much to do. He himself is our wisdom for the task at hand. And in his word and with the wonderful gift of prayer, we have everything we need for the jobs he has for us. And while we're on who builds, notice it's not just all sorts, but sometimes whole families. Have a look at verse 12. Shalom, son of Haloesh, ruler of a half-district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section with the help of his daughters. In the time that I've been here, one of the things that's excited me most is to see that very thing in progress seeing families, up to three generations of a family, working side by side on this project of building a city on this hill. And this project is so big, so vital for the city of Sheffield that it takes everyone, even whole families. And let me say that if you want to build your family, that is, build them to know and love the Lord Jesus, to grow in maturity in Christ, if you want that for your husband or your wife or your children then let me say the best way to do that is to be about building this city together. I suspect one of the things that that stops men and women getting too involved in the building project is, is that they fear that if they use too much of their time working on this city, that the rare and precious time they have to do work on their own family, to build that up, will go. You know what God's answer to that is? Be about the work together. Do it together, says God. So we've seen something of the nature of the work. We've seen who does it. And next, Nehemiah shows us where the work happens. And thinking of families, don't miss what he repeats again and again throughout the chapter. Quite often the work is done on the home front. Have a look at verse 10 and and again in 23 and again 29 and 30. 
We'll zoom in on verse 23. He says, Benjamin and Hashab made repairs in front of their house. One of the great myths of building a city on this hill is that it all happens on this hill, Canterbury Avenue. And an immense work does happen here, week in, week out. The the detail of it is incredible. And every time I see what's coming up in a given week, I sort of, my heart sinks for Martin Bell, who's got to try and organise it all to make sure it all happens. But that's just the beginning of it. That's just one place, one gate where the work is happening. And quite often it needs to happen in our homes. I mean, think about the work we could be doing side by side in our homes. The work of hospitality, for instance whether it be welcoming the stranger or the newcomer for a meal so that they feel at home here, or, or that moment in the year where, where the new students flood into town and they're looking for a home, they're looking to be settled here. The opportunity to show hospitality to them in our homes, or whether it's simply helping families who are struggling with things or, or who, people who are lonely. Not to mention those moments that happen in homes, those life-shaping and changing conversations that happen over a table, over a meal, one to another or a family to a family, spurring each other on, comforting each other, sometimes even rebuking each other. You know, I think for for Liz and I, when we've had meals at at different people's houses, one of the things we're constantly asking is for help with raising our children as Christian parents, Uh, not, not thinking we've got it all worked out, but those moments where you hear what others are doing and you get encouragement from that. Or even in our small groups over the next couple of months, as many groups think about what the Bible has to say about money. That will happen in homes. Well, think about the opportunities we have in our homes for evangelism. Countless opportunities to share the love and news of the Lord Jesus. And that for me is the engine room of this initiative of one plus one this year. It's not just nine events and a few guest services, as good as they will be. It's the day in, day out opportunities that our homes give us for a launching pad into our streets to bring the news of Jesus to them. There are so many opportunities and this is the project you were saved for and your part in it may be done where you find yourself located, not least your home. It is, after all, why you did the renovations, wasn't it? Why you bought the bigger table, the new couch? I mean, imagine being able to say, see that couch there, my friend came to the Lord Jesus on that couch. See that couch, my small group grew in knowledge and love of the Lord Jesus right there. And the work doesn't just happen in homes, everywhere it happens. And sometimes it happens in the most unattractive, unappealing places, doing pretty ordinary jobs. Have a look at verse 14. The dung gate was repaired by Malkajar, son of Rechab, the ruler of the district of Beth Hakarim. The Dungate. A ruler did that job. He'd be used to having his underlings do his dirty work for him, but he mucks in. And if you're curious as to what the Dungate was for, if you're imagining a worst case scenario about what it might be for, then you're probably right on the money. A ruler did that job. He just gets in and does it. Something that uh, it seemed beneath the rulers mentioned in 3 verse 5, who refused to stoop to those sort of levels. They paid others to do that sort of work. Well, brothers and sisters in Christ, there is so much to be done and in this fellowship of builders, the task handed out, there is no status other than the one Christ gives us. It is by the grace of God we are saved, not from us. It's a gift so that none of us can boast. 
We are his workmanship, created in Christ for the works he has in mind for us. And so if you're a consultant surgeon, brilliant, here's a tea towel. If you're a PhD student, that's great, here's a stack of chairs. A successful businessman, well, here's some potatoes, there's a peeler and the garbage needs to go out. All of which, by the way, I have seen this year happen. There are plenty of ugly jobs, all crucial, all crucial for clearing the way for the news of the Lord Jesus to be heard from this hill, from this city. So be excited about the work you are a part of. And the words of 1 Thessalonians 5.11 encourage one another and build each other up just as, as you are doing. Be swept up in the project that God allows you in on. But as you do, don't forget whose project it is. Don't forget what we are building because, you know, building projects are not new in our world or even our city. If you've driven around uh, Sheffield of late, you'll notice the, the council signs that seem to be everywhere, building a better Sheffield. That's our council's slogan. It's not a new idea, building something. Even the idea of building a new city is not new. If you go back to Genesis 11, you, you see humanity getting together and saying, let's build a city for ourselves, let's make our name great. As we look ahead to 2009, know whose project you are in on. It's not yours. Know who it's for. There will always be the temptation to make this about us, to build our name and our honour. But know that our God will thwart any such endeavour, as he did with Babel, as he has with our world, as he will with any church that seeks to build a city on this hill on any name other than his and for any purpose other than proclaiming his son. And so let's be careful We who build need to know who we are building for and what we are building with. Let's build with great care, not fumbling around under our own steam, but in the words of 1 Corinthians 3, as God's fellow workers, as master builders, who use no other foundation other than the one he has already laid, Jesus Christ, who use only the best materials, that is the word of his grace, a word strong enough to build us up and any he will gather here. And so, brothers and sisters in Christ, know who you are. You are a fellowship of builders, broken-hearted for your city, knee-bended, calling on God's favour, committed to the honour of his name, full of the word of his grace, full of the love that comes from that word, and those who watch and marvel as he builds something that even the gates of hell will not overcome. Let's pray.